Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Privacy International podcast from our Reproductive Rights and Privacy Project. I am Sarah Nelson, and I lead the Reproductive Rights Project here at PI. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Andrea Schwarzendruber. She is the principal investigator for the Pregnancy Resource Center Evaluation at Emory University's Center for Reproductive Health Research in the Southeast. We talked quite a bit about the role of crisis pregnancy centers in the U.S. We are both working from home at the moment, and we had some audio problems in the middle of the conversation, and so there are a few jump cuts, but the overall conversation is really interesting, and I hope you enjoy. So I think to begin, could you describe the role of CP crisis pregnancy centers in the U.S.? CPCs in the United States offer a range of services from uh, all CPCs uh, offer pregnancy testing. About two-thirds of crisis pregnancy centers also offer a free ultrasound, which is not necessarily an ultrasound that would be used as part of prenatal care. It's not meant to be diagnostic. It's just to um, confirm a pregnancy. Um, Most CPCs as well offer uh, material resources like diapers and wipes and baby clothing and maternity clothing, the kind of things that um, support childbirth and pregnancy and uh, parenting. Um, We don't know a ton about the role that they play. I think that that's um, a line of ongoing research um, is to better understand like why do people value them and for what do people value them? Why do people go to CPCs and how do people make decisions about going to a crisis pregnancy center versus um, a medical clinic or some other other place? Uh, We know that some people, there is a bit of evidence to suggest that um, people primarily go to crisis pregnancy centers for those material kind of things. So they're not necessarily going, they know that they're going to parent and they not necessarily um, trying to make a decision about their pregnancy, but they're really um, motivated to, for the material resources that CPCs provide to folks. Um, but I think that that's, the, uh, that's an ongoing line of research. I, I, um, I think that there are also people who have misconceptions about what crisis pregnancy centers are. And so go to the centers um, looking for services that the centers don't actually provide, like family planning, contraceptives, like abortion services. And I would say that there, there appears to be um, an attempt to brand themselves as being a medical center or a medical clinic. Um, And more and more and more uh, crisis pregnancy centers are offering um, limited medical services. And those include the free ultrasound. Um, And about, we did an analysis recently, about 20% of crisis pregnancy centers in the United States offer some form of testing for sexually transmitted infections. And, and I think that that's an increase um, over the past um, several years. Um, there isn't real, just like very, a lot of evidence in, in this way. Um, through my own research, it's, I guess it's my opinion, 
that um, crisis pregnancy centers are trying to brand themselves and advertise themselves in more medical ways too. And so the, what we've seen is um, uh, using the word medical more in their names um, and changing their names to either something more neutral or taking out the word um, CareNet, which is one of the large uh, national organizations here in the US from their center name. Um, choosing something either more neutral or something that calls themselves a medical clinic. I always kind of laugh. There's one um, CPC in my state. Um, they have the name medical center in their center name. You go to their website, they talk about their medical services, um, which I believe is an ultrasound and STD testing. Um, and then in the fiery fine print in one of uh, their website pages, there's like an asterisk that says, whatever medical center is not actually a medical facility. <laughs> um, so I think that there very, very much is an attempt to, um, to show themselves as, as present themselves as more medical to people who might be, might be looking for medical services. They certainly don't provide a comprehensive range of services that you would get at your doctor or the health department or, you know, an actual licensed medical clinic. Yeah, and what about the people who are actually doing the ultrasounds or, or doing those tests? Do you know if they're medically trained professionals? Yeah, we don't, we don't know exactly. Um, certainly in the state that I live in, you know, you're supposed, it should be done by someone who has um, a license to, to do ultrasounds. Um, there have been a, a number of um, studies and people and done by advocacy organizations in the United States who um, have kind of gone undercover and sent people to crisis pregnancy centers who are posing as people who are looking for some kind of services. Um, and they have certainly highlighted quite a bit that it would suggest that that's at least sometimes and at some places, people who are, who are doing the ultrasound um, ultrasounds at crisis pregnancy centers are not trained um, or, or, or don't have adequate training uh, to do them. So I think we really, it's an area I, I don't quite know about, but certainly there've been a lot of like um, descriptions um, that would lead people to believe that not all, not everybody who's doing a, a ultrasounds at, at CPCs is adequately and sufficiently trained evidence and, and research has shown that crisis pregnancy centers frequently provide misinformation, misleading information, and just plain inaccurate and wrong information, particularly around um, the risks of abortion, um, saying that it leads to breast cancer and infertility and mental health problems um, when the evidence actually uh, is, is counter to that. It does not. Um, we also see a lot of discouraging information about uh, the use of contraception and condom use too, um, which is entirely problematic um, in that I happen to live in a state that has uh, extraordinarily high uh, sexually, rates of sexually transmitted infections and uh, high rates of HIV um, and high rates of maternal mortality. Right, and so to the degree that we don't know to what extent people actually believe, trust, and adhere to the information that crisis pregnancy uh, centers uh, provide, um, but 
certainly many centers are providing information that are simply not in line with public health recommendations and, um, and national medical um, standards of practice or even ethical standards of practice as well. Yeah, this is something that's interesting because I think most people think when they think of crisis pregnancy centers or um, over here, rogue pregnancy centers, um, mm -hmm. they think about it being focused primarily on abortion, but, but they do tend to have kind of a slant against actual using contraception as well. Yeah, totally. No, no. Once one of their secondary aims is to promote um, sexual abstinence before marriage in line with their um, evangelical Christian uh, ideologies. Um, and, and I think, at least in the United States, some crisis pregnancy centers are trying to form engagement and are offering services like STD testing um, that aren't just focused primarily on people during pregnancy in order to build up relationships with people um, in order uh, to prevent abortion, but you know, by promoting uh, sexual abstinence. Um, yeah, and so to the extent, like I said, about 20% of centers uh, here in the United States are conducting some form of STD testing. National guidelines would, you know, are, are clear that people who are sexually active and at risk for STDs, um, consistent and correct condom use should be promoted and that people should have easy uh, available access to condoms as well. So most of the crisis pregnancy centers have policies against promoting contraceptives, um, including condoms, in order to promote sexual abstinence uh, before marriage. It's um, something I'm personally concerned about and, and, and would love to learn more about how people, I, I, I would just be bewildered if somebody is STD, you know, if they're doing testing and somebody's STD positive, and they're not promoting condom use that, that um, and like I said here, I live in, in one of the states that has the highest um, HIV rates in, in the United States. And that, I mean, they're, uh, it's unconscionable in, in my own opinion, immoral and unethical. So for um, not um, promoting um, and have policies against promoting, providing, um, contraception, at least on their websites, they have a lot of information about contraception, most, most of it discouraging, most of it looking at um, em emphasizing the risks and side effects um, without giving, disclosing like how prevalent or not, actually not prevalent those side effects actually are. Um, and in terms of emergency contraception, I mean, very easily and, and, and quite prevalently, crisis pregnancy centers um, refer to it as an abortifacient or a, um, th that it causes a, an abortion. And that's simply not the case. Um, emergency contraception has no effect on an existing pregnancy. And again, we don't know the actual impact. Do people, you know, when they're looking for emergency contraception or what to do with a pregnancy or, or, or if they've just had unprotected sex, um, you know, we don't know how that information might influence decision making, but certainly it's, it's problematic um, not to be promoting uh, what could be a, a risk reduction um, if, among somebody who, who doesn't want to get pregnant. It's a very efficacious. Um, it's a very safe um, um, 
drug and, and procedures as well. And what about this abortion reversal? Yeah, abortion reversal. Um, so it is a, I mean, it's just a sham therapy. It's a made up therapy um, that is um, based on ridiculous data um, and done in an unscientific manner. Um, and so the, the procedure, I mean, they're, they're trying to appeal to people who have taken um, medication abortion is, is two drugs. And so you take one, one drug. And so they, they, they're saying like, oh, if you just don't take this other, the second drug of the, of the dosage, and you, instead you get this high intervention, high level intervention of progesterone, you can reverse um, the abortion. Um, and more and more it is being promoted at many centers. It's certainly in the United States, it's gone into state policy statewide laws have now um, in several states mandate that people who are seeking abortion must be told that this is an option and a, a real therapy when, when in fact it is not. Um, and our national medical organizations in the United States are, are clear that it's unethical um, and it's unproven. Uh, there was one recent study at the end of, or the findings kind of were published at the end of last year, as I recall, and the um, the goal was to see like could it be done? Is there any um, it, it, actual do the testing to see if it could be in a, re a reversal and um, if it was efficacious at all? They ended up having to stop the study early uh, because so many people had um, extreme bleeding and needed to be have uh, be transported to a hospital via an ambulance. So it's not like it's unrisky as well. So not only does it um, not work, uh, or there's no evidence to suggest that it does work currently, um, it poses risks and harms to people. I, I just find it astounding that it's made its way into what providers of these services have to tell their clients. Um, yes. How does yes. something like that happen? How do you, how does something translate from this sort of bizarre um, idea and then percolate in that way? I think, yeah, I think lots of folks um, have, you know, are building relationships with um, state legislators and policymakers, actually at, at all levels. Um, and not everybody who has decision-making authority and makes policies is, is really knowledgeable um, ab ab about the scientific base. Um, here in Georgia, there was a it was proposed in, in our state legislature. There was a there was a bill to propose that uh, requiring information be provided about abortion reversal, and, and luckily it, it didn't pass. We're trying to talk to people who have been to crisis pregnancy centers to better understand like what what impact it, it did make them um, on their on their health and livelihood and kind of trajectory. Um, that research is ongoing, so we currently don't have findings um, to share. I mean, the, but the worry is that people go to crisis pregnancy centers looking or having misconceptions or looking for services that they don't provide um, and then have delayed healthcare. And whether that might be delayed prenatal care um, is risky in that you know, there might be missed opportunities for prevention and for treatment and diagnosis or that there's um, delayed uh, abortion care. And uh, abortion is a very safe procedure, um, but certainly there is a slight 
increased risk um, with uh, at later gestations. And, and so that's one of the concerns. And then the other concern is, is kind of what we talked about is that um, uh, yes, but also being discouraged from using condoms or are being talked out of using uh, contraception. And uh, personally, to have talked to people who, who have that has been the case, they went looking for um, family planning and in contraception at a crisis pregnancy center, did not know what a crisis pregnancy center was, thought they were at a medical clinic, um, and came out confused about contraception and decided, you know, they, they weren't going to start right away. And so that has implications for people's entire trajectories in life. Um, if they would have an unintended pregnancy or um, be at risk for an STD or HIV. Um, and then there are, of, of course, the, the implications are, are not solely, you know, related to health, but related to economics and economic health, which, which, you know, is an underlying determinant of people's kind of overall health too, but um, in terms of um, being, having an unintended pregnancy or being talked out of an abortion when they thought that was the best choice uh, for themselves. I mean, obviously that can, that changes or, or could influence people's trajectory for the, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, what about um, misinformation online as well? The way that these CPCs present themselves online? Yeah, so there's a ton of misinformation on crisis pregnancy centers online from discouraging condom use to, um, again, like the risks of abortion and the risks of contraception, which are all very discouraging, um, and misinformation about their own services as well. So some crisis pregnancy centers and trying to thwart people from abortion uh, have on their websites like, you have plenty of time to decide about an abortion. Um, and in fact, one in five um, pregnancies end in miscarriage, which is not actually correct. It's about 10% of, of recognized pregnancies end in miscarriage. Um, so, I mean, in reality, they really do say like, you can avoid making a decision about abortion because you might miscarry. And so there, there's real concerns with that of um, someone who's pregnant does need Healthcare and can benefit from actual healthcare, whether that's prenatal care or abortion care um, or whatever it is. And they also say things like, well, why don't the describing that their ultrasounds that they provide can look for viability and actually even predict miscarriage? And, th and that's not what ultrasounds can ever do. Um, and so they use that and use the ultrasounds and use their services as, as a way to further engage with people um, and to, in order to interact with them and, um, and to thwart people from, from abortion care. Um, most crisis pregnancy centers are staffed by volunteers and lay people um, without clinical training. Certainly there are nurses and there are clinically trained people who do work and are employed by crisis pregnancy centers, but, but mostly they rely on volunteers. Um, and so, you know, it's typically, I don't know to what extent, and I'm skeptical that crisis pregnancy centers are actually um, informing their clients that the people there are non-medically trained uh, volunteers and are, but they're giving out medical 
advice um, that isn't always accurate. Yeah. Yeah, and even there's been, you know, reporting about how they wear white lab coats and this sort of thing, just to give the further give the impression that they're somehow medically trained. Um, yeah, and one of the other risks, um, I guess, too, is if um, somebody did seek prenatal care or did seek a clinic, one, that they're not receiving comprehensive care, and so there's missed opportunities for that. But it's totally unclear that um, crisis pregnancy centers would be identified like the red flags and things that should be referred to um, a real medical clinic or clinically uh, trained folks. And so that's, an, that's another one of the, the risks um, that, that are involved with crisis pregnancy centers. If somebody did show up with a problem, would they be able to identify it and to refer that person to the appropriate treatment? Um, there are few crisis pregnancy centers, at least in the United States, that are considered to be licensed. Mo the vast majority are not. Um, crisis pregnancy centers have received federal funds in different ways throughout, throughout the decades. So um, for actual decades, many crisis pregnancy centers have benefited from federal funds that um, support them to provide sex education in public schools and to promote sexual um, abstinence before, before marriage only. Um, so that's very, fairly common and has been go ongoing for a long time now. Um, there's a new way that crisis pregnancy centers have been funded in, uh, at the federal level here in the United States, which is through the Title X program, which is a national uh, national grant program to provide family planning and preventative services to people of low income. And there have been major rules changes um, to the Title X program that now make crisis pregnancy centers eligible for the funding. Under old rules, they would certainly not have been eligible. Um, so now crisis here in the United States are providing um, are, are receiving funds under the fam federal family planning program. They also receive um, state funding. So in Georgia, where I live, um, there is a state program and grant program that directly provides millions of dollars to crisis pregnancy centers um, here. I think there are about 16 states in the United States that have uh, similar programs or that uh, where, whereby states directly fund the centers. There's been an, um, a long, long-standing history of the federal government funding abstinence-only based um, programs here in the United States, um, and, and the definition of, of abstinence-only includes when you talk about con and so abstinence-only based education is um, is associated with higher rates of uh, sexually trans transmitted infections, uh, lower rates of uh, use of contraception, and of uh, higher rates of unintended pregnancy. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's an, uh, from a public health standpoint, the evidence is abundantly clear, and there's a vast amount of evidence that more comprehensive sexual education actually does protect people um, and public health. Um, it's an astounding to me as a public health professional that um, the evidence is clear. It, we do not currently have the political will um, for more comprehensive based education.
you could describe what you're focused on at the moment? Yeah, so we um, have a number of studies related to crisis pregnancy centers, particularly in Georgia. So one of the studies that we are currently analyzing the data and we'll be publishing papers, we polled registered voters in our state to better understand like how aware or not aware is the general public about crisis pregnancy centers and what they are and what they do and how supportive or not um, voters are about spending state funding on uh, to support crisis pregnancy centers and what people expect from state funded reproductive. Um, one of the other studies we have done um, is we're talking to people who've been to crisis pregnancy centers to better understand like their motivations and what they were looking for and what they got and learn more about their experiences and the impact of, of going to crisis pregnancy centers has had on their lives. And we're currently analyzing data. Um, we conducted what's called a mystery shopper study where we um, send uh, research assistants to both talk to crisis pregnancy centers and more um, traditional family planning clinics, um, posing as people who are looking for services. Um, and so we will be, we made calls and visits. And so we'll, we're currently, we've done data collection and we're currently analyzing those data. Well, those, those three sound fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it totally is. We're, we, have, um, we're, we have a lot of data at the moment, so we're hoping to help build up the evidence base here in the next um, couple of months. One of the other things my team has been working on is to track and map crisis pregnancy. to better understand, uh, we've located all of them and to better understand what services they do and don't, don't provide. Sorry, you cut out there in the middle. Can yeah. you just repeat that? Yeah, sure. So one other project that our team has done is to uh, identify the locations of all the crisis pregnancy centers in the country um, and track what services that they provide. Um, there's, in my opinion, I've seen um, a number of the centers are changing names over time, like I mentioned. Um, centers change, uh, appear to change locations pretty frequently as well. I think with a lot of the policy discussions that are ongoing in the, in the United States about um, to what extent abortion um, <clears throat> restrictions are in place or will be uh, legal in the future, I think we need to track crisis pregnancy centers to see how they might respond under, you know, different policy scenarios. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Sarah.